You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is episode 135 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yue and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through, I guess, our year now. Uh, self-proclaimed, formerly self-proclaimed professional Asian American, just you. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. I'm very yes. curious about the Christmas you had because you, you said some really interesting things pre-show. <laughs> um, well, I had like a white Christmas, like a white people Christmas, ooh. even though my, my fiance's family is not white. But, you know, they go all out for Christmas. I'm like, yo, this is lit. I'm like, this is quite fun. You get presents and then you get stocking presents. And I'm like, wow, this is this is. And Santa gives you the stocking presents. Oh, really? Is that how they break it up? Yeah, I mean, and and some the stocking presents were great too. They were not like throwaway knickknacks. I'm like, dang, this is like okay. I'm like, all right, I can get behind this. <laughs> Worth the drive to Vegas, you know. And you know the fu- family and the like, the food, like all of it was great. But I'm just like, let's be real. Like, as an Asian girly, Chinese girly who's only done Chinese Christmas, it's like when you eat hot pot and maybe if you're lucky, someone gives you a hundred bucks, like just hands you a hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, um, it was very fun. Yeah, I mean, I've never had a white Christmas before. I've had a white Christmas in terms of having Christmas in the snow, but <laughs> not like you know white people Christmas. So this is yeah, all no, new. It, it's to pretty me. fun. It's pretty fun. Um, would recommend. We should try it next year. Like, oh, that would be fun in some form. Sounds, but then expensive. <laughs> it, but then it we is. should just still. We should still eat. Well, we don't have to eat. We can eat white food too. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah. white food's fine. I can do a roast. We can do like some ham. Yeah, yeah. Rip roast. I do like a roast. A casserole. That was, probably. that was fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it was cute. It was like a lot of presents under the tree. Like they weren't all for me, obviously. But I'm just like, oh, this is like the volume of presents is like very big, and they weren't all crazy. It was just like well, it was nice. Like everything was wrapped super nicely, and like some cousins came over. I'm like. Oh, this is very nice. Did they maintain the secret and the magic? Because that's the one thing I remember from Chinese American Christmas, which is I always knew where my presents came from. There was no giving credit to the imaginary old man who comes in through the chimney. Um, I'm the youngest in my family by like in, in my generation. Like there's a big gap after me and I was the youngest in like the first batch. So I think by the time I had like conscious memories like it was not cool for to to believe in Santa, and for some reason, no one like gave the older kids a talk. Like, yo, she still thinks Santa's real. So I was like told very matter of factly by my sister that like Santa was in fact not real, and that my uncle was the one eating the cookies, and she just like walked off like off a of devastate, like like utterly devastated. Oh, no like six-year-old me um so yeah that's how my christmases usually go that's sad uh so yeah this was very fun <laughs> also joining us the most jolly professional culture editor hong win <laughs> that's hey, hong, a lie how, how was <laughs> vietnamese american houstonian christmas oh god uh my family i mean 
we didn't really know about Christmas until we got here, right? <laughs> so, you know, we had a fake tree, but like over the years, it kept losing branches, even though it was fake. So we have kept putting it in a corner. We also didn't have any ornaments. So we just would like put stuffed animals on it. It was kind of half-assed. Um, my mom did wrap gifts and like write from Santa on it. But we were, I don't know if it was just, the three of us together we were highly skeptical kids, but we would be like, um, why does Santa have your handwriting? Um, <laughs> and, and so we, you know, when she finally broke it to us, we were like, yeah, we know. Um, she, you know, she went through lengths to try to lie to us. Like back in the day when you had a landline, uh, she would basically say that the way you would call Santa is you call your own phone number. And you would automatically get a busy signal. And so we're like, oh, Santa's busy, right? But it's also like we just kind of played along with her. Wow. So your mom put an effort to keep the magic alive. She she tried, but also not very long. I think she tried to tell us at like five to break it to us at five. And we're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) She's like, all right, I can't do this no more. This is annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also just like my dad was just like not very helpful. (laughs) So it was all her. So, you know, for me... I appreciated the fact that we still had Christmas. We did have gifts, but you know, we were we didn't have a lot of money. So it it was it was kind of like rough going, especially like my brother really wanted the big name toy or the big name whatever something. Mm. Um so yeah, it was oh it was fun. Yeah, boy presents, like the all the consoles and the gaming things, so expensive. I only needed books and then maybe my little pony. Um so I I was it wasn't very hard to get me gifts when I was a kid, at least. So I really anyway. wanted that Megazord. Man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, mean, I played with boy toys, too. Well, boy toys. Toys for boys, <laughs> you know, supposedly gendered gendered toys. Uh, you know, I played with Transformers, yeah. G.I. Joes, all that. Action figures are just dolls, you know. You dress yeah. them up. Um, that's why I, I was just talking to a friend, and they were explaining to me the lengths they go to try to keep the magic alive. Like, they can't use the same wrapping paper oh. in multiple years. They can't write in their own handwriting. It's like, there's so oh, much... yeah. It's a production. For my, yeah, for my nephew, I've had to write the Santa note because that way it wouldn't be my, my brother's handwriting. And then also, <laughs> my brother set aside a special wrapping paper just for Santa's wow. gift. So it's a blue metallic wrapping paper. And and then um, my nephew knew that that was Santa's special gift. Everything else was from other people. Um, oh. And I was like, what are you going to do if you run out of this paper? <laughs> but <laughs> but the kid is like, like I think it got broken to him once he turned like 10, I think. that they, I was just like 10. I mean, once you, yeah, once you're in the presence of other kids and, you know, kids love to ruin stuff for each other. I'm, I'm sure it's over. It's over quick. I think the pandemic helped extend it a little bit so, because there weren't other kids around to do that. So anyway, yeah. So I think I was highly impressed with how long my brother kept it alive for my nephew. <laughs> yeah. Man, it just sounds like so much effort. Yeah. I, I For me, I would just be like, I'm not going to lie to them. I'm, well, if I ever had kids, but probably not going to. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, it's fine. They can still have magic without the lie. <laughs> Well, hope you both had a had a wonderful. <laughs> how was your Christmas, Han? Uh, it was fine. I I was going through so much, so much. Um, I think burnout that I finally was just like, okay, I'm gonna stop trying to do like chores. And so I basically had the laziest three day weekend ever, which is great. So I watched nice. a lot of TV. Yeah, yeah, which 
lots of Hallmark or you're not? No, no. <laughs> actually, here's the weird thing. Like every year I've I've like watched a lot of Hallmark and I even recorded those. But actually this year, I think it was because I discovered K-dramas. I was like, this is more satisfying than Hallmark. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's what I was watching besides uh, Alice in Borderland. Um, <laughs> Essential anyway, holiday just, viewing. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> they were fun. You know, there's a celebration at the end. Anyway. Yeah, I had a pretty, actually it wasn't very chill. We had like either lunch or dinner with friends or family for like four days straight. So. Oh, that's nice. That's yeah. Nice. It was pretty yeah, After a while though, you're like, I can't eat any more meat. And you're <laughs> just like, I just need a salad. I Last night we just went to go get like a salad and I'm like, oh, the vegetable, the fresh vegetables that haven't been drenched in cream or butter. It's like, oh yes, please. I, I think on. I think on Christmas Day, I actually went to K-Town and then I just had like dumplings and noodles. So that, that was great. my, it was great. Yeah. It was great. Well, like we mentioned, this is the last Good Pop episode for 2022. So for this episode, we're going to do a wrap up of our personal best pop of 2022. Uh, we're going to go around and each share three of our most favorite pop culture um, of the year uh, we semi-coordinated this so we d- wouldn't overlap so you get nine different pieces of pop culture but um yeah excited to get into it 2022 turned out to be a pretty good year for pop culture so yeah han what's your first best pop of 2022 uh so i definitely coordinated with you two because i agree with your answers but i decide you know, it's been a great year for uh, Asian film in general or <laughs> films by Asians. So might as well shout out another one. Um, so the one I chose was Decision to Leave, uh, which we have discussed on the show. And I think for me, what I appreciate about it was that it was genuinely an art house film, but it was still very, I felt, broadly appealing Um visually like stunning love the acting also kind of funny despite the weird you know sort of the darker themes in it um so yeah i was just very i was very happy to have seen this in a theater and i you know it's one of those where i do encourage if you are able to get to a theater like to uh, you know just take that in because visually i really enjoyed it so it was a good experience for me yeah, I remember um, this is one of the few films I watched in the theater. Um, I watched this with you, right, Jess? Yes, we watched it together. And the entire time I was just like, I get noir tropes, love noir. But I'm just like, this dude's a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Had a good time. Tong Wei, fantastic. I mean, um, but I'm like, this dude's so fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean, most noir, like, Male leads. Yeah, you I have feel to have a way. dumb man in mm-hmm. the middle of it because they have to be dumb for the story to work. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but very enjoyable, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I think it's available on Mubi now. So if you're subscribed to that, or if you're not, you can do your seven day free trial. I can catch. You know, this is this year's Korean auteur film. Um, we have to have one every year, and this is um, this is this <laughs> this is the 2022's uh, entry. Uh, yeah, that was mine. Yeah. All right, Jess, what's your first one? My movie pick of this year, also an Asian-American entry, is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, Should surprise nobody. (laughs) I remember just a... We watched this together. We watched this together. Just (laughs) an utterly transcendent experience watching it in IMAX in a packed theater. 
I can't remember laughing that hard and not knowing what the fuck this movie was going about. Like, it's very rare. I, I think I was also just really busy at that time. So I did not catch any trailers. I did not catch any of the, like, you know, pre-release marketing. I just knew that it was a movie by the Daniels who make kind of weird <laughs> off-center movies. Michelle Yeoh's in it. Um, and that's kind of all I knew. I went in utterly blown away do not remember crying that hard in a movie in a very long time like literally at one point just had to like put my head up because the tears were like uncontrollable and i didn't bring tissues because i did not expect to be bawling that hard Mm -hmm. and you know we work in culture we are all asian american adjacent i used to be a professional asian and like you know it's really hard sometimes when you have to champion something you're not in love with all the time Mm -hmm. or that is not for you or just sometimes is plain like not great nothing wrong with everything everywhere all at once like it was just a fantastic piece whether or not it was like asian american or not the fact that it was and it was a queer story an immigrant story that we got some fantastic performances from not just michelle yo but uh you know kikwa how do you say his name (laughs) i should really know how to say his name yeah like after like you know 40 decades of missed opportunities (laughs) the new freshness of stephanie sue also just being like let's go make a great halloween costume that's gonna make a great halloween costume Mm -hmm. just got me excited right and this was in april um and it was really exciting to see that like the rest of the world and the discourse was generally positive Mm -hmm. and just so original like i haven't not had that much fun and seen that original a movie while still keeping in this like sci-fi you know tone um it was just such a good time and it feels like it's been in our lives for a really long time because now they're doing the oscars push and it's kind of i think it's fairly unique that a movie like this is in contention that it's been so long. I mean, April to December in today's like mind schedule time construct is like feels like forever. Feels like it's already a classic. And I'm really excited to see in the next three months the campaign. I hope Michelle Yeoh gets nominated. Um, I want to break out my sausage fingers again. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I I just no no notes 10 out of 10 yeah, yeah i got an a24 googly eye t-shirt just because of this <laughs> movie and i rarely do that i don't buy t-shirts i mean half the time i feel like i can't engage in a24 discourse because yep. their movies are just so scary and or weird <laughs> and i'm like i'm not gonna watch was it that men's men movie oh my god like, sorry i'm not gonna watch men like this no like i'm not gonna watch whatever weird thing they put out where like someone's a duck a lamb was that an A24 movie, I, Lamb? I think I think so. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm not watching Midsommar. Sorry. Marcel, so, Marcel I mean, the Shell, um, I think you might be okay with. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> so I mean, I'm, I'm glad I got to engage in the uh, event, you know, the event this time. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of wild that this film, I mean, it's been a while. I mean, we've had genre films in contention for Oscar, Best Picture Oscars before, but not this type, right? Not this type of like maximum 
whatever I mean, it generally is, right? Comedies don't get nominated, and this is obviously comedy drama, but like the fact that a movie with a scene about fighting with butt plugs <laughs> might be nominated for an Oscar is pretty great. Yeah. I mean, usually if you have a sci fi film, it's like Interstellar or whatever that. Mm-hmm. One about falling from spaces. Gravity. Christopher Nolan? Gravity. Gravity. And those aren't even like the, those are like, are those really sci-fi? That's really just like a drama in like a (laughs) space, you know, like it it doesn't have the weird like genre bigness that I usually associate with it. Interstellar kind of had like highfalutin up your butt sci-fi though. It was about like. (laughs) But was it literally up the butt? Like (laughs) (laughs) up the butt? Which is, yeah, which is why it's great to see like this is. Like the fact that just imagining the half of the Academy voters having to watch butt plug kung fu fight is just amazing. It's just it just tickles me. But it's like, are you not a human if you don't find entertainment in butt plug human like butt plug <laughs> fight? I, I don't know. Like, it seems like a good time to me. Like, get off your high horse and just enjoy life. Um, I do wonder, though, because um, my dad watched this film on a plane, mind you, but um, he did not like it. He thought it was too complicated. I, I, mm, it depends yeah. on the person. I also hesitated uh, recommending this to my mom because I think she won't follow it. And ironically, you know, I believe she does have ADHD. So I, that's one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, I don't want to recommend it to her and be disappointed if she doesn't like it. Which is sad though, because this type of film you want this. your parents no. to watch. So you can turn around yes. and say, this is what Ma- you've done to yes. me. Yeah. Honestly, maybe it means more to us because mm-hmm. I remember when The Farewell was coming out and I had a friend whose dad was like, why do I want to watch this movie? I lived it. Like, my mom had cancer and we didn't tell her. Like, yeah. I'm going to relive that again. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is for us. That's okay. That's yeah, okay. That's we fine. can have it for us. That's totally fine. <laughs> it is also for, it is also for, um, it's a movie for people chronically on the internet. Yes. Yes. AKA people with ADHD. Or, you know, whatever form or however mild or severe, like it is a movie of our generation. And it just so happens to be very specifically in the niche of like immigrant child experience. And like, you know, it's going to hit home for us. Um, But overall, I think it's just amazing that like it hit home for so many people around the world that may not have these exact experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it was very, uh, it was very hearty, heartsome heart. I felt to see that kind of. understanding like this is one of the few movies where i feel like we're past that like oh my parents don't understand me they want me to be xyz like and it's so specific that i think it's broken to another level like this is what a creative how creative you can get so if i see one more short film or one more original script about immigrant parents not understanding you i'm like shut the fuck up (laughs) <laughs> do better write it better not saying you can't write about that or make a movie about that but do it better yeah yeah as someone who um is an asian american film festival programmer please try something different yes with your stories. and who is and from someone who has read so many scripts please do better <laughs> huh, well i am excited for oscar season um i think it's already doing well right it's already picking up nominations awards everywhere so yeah you know yeah, I mean, know. they're not going to win. They're not going to win. But it'll be fun to see just the movie stay in the conversation. 
uh, you know, Spielberg's gonna win. Come on, let's be real. For what? I mean, For West Side Story. Um, but Fable, Fablemans. Fablemans. Yeah, oh, I mean, he's look, like seventy something. Like, you gotta give it to I, Grandpa. While I would rather the Daniels get it, I'm okay if Spielberg gets it over Cameron. <laughs> so. I mean, but Avatar is now culture, apparently, according to oh, culture oh no no, <laughs> people adore Avatar, and I'm so. <laughs> anyway, so I think what Steven Spielberg needs to do is license out the Fablemans, and then just have like a theme park section dedicated to that, where you just sure. experience like child of divorce trauma yeah <laughs> would that be fun sure a lot of people could relate so much fun. Uh, he's like a universal guy right so like he could have a little a little like section you know take out the simpsons ride and just make it like about like you know being shuttled from one house to the next and your parents divorce oh it'll just be a new segment from the uh on the backlog tour yeah you yeah just have a lot of arguments <laughs> uh but right. speaking of awards marvin yeah speaking of colonial narratives um <laughs> my film pick was also a film i feel like we kind of traded off right because i saw this with you marvin <laughs> decision to leave was a film i watched with jess um everything ever all at once was one that jess watched with han and then rrr which is my film pick was uh, one that i watched with han and each each one of these films we all plan to watch together, the three of us. <laughs> one of us always had something. And life got in the way. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I'm very, very sad to not get to watch this in a theater yes. with other people. This is the one for sure that I wanted you to be with us because yeah. I just felt like you would be bruising us like throughout I, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I, it was so much that when I watched this by myself at home and it took me five to six hours because I literally had to pause and like collect myself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I remember going in not expecting or not knowing what to expect. And then it was a film that just gave and gave like, here, here's another set piece that is ridiculous. Here is some, like, I usually hate like bad CGI. I loved all the terrible CGI, like <laughs> animals in this film, like the tiger and the deer and the... It's just like, well, well utilized, you know, for the tone of the film, um, because... If you want a film that is over the top maximalist, then you got to have flaming, you know, set pieces with with tigers uh, coordinated and all that other stuff. It's just it's perfect. Yeah. And, you know, any film that lets us laugh at terrible, badly acted Englishmen. Amazing. <laughs> yes. And they hired act cast like the like just the most beautiful people mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. just very i mean it's it's like indian cinema like they're all beautiful mm -hmm. um and then speaking of oscars they are shortlisted for best original song yes really hope it gets nominated Wait, we get a song? little segment during the show not to not to oh. yeah i need to rewatch this film i feel like i wish i was a big drinker again because i think i would need to but i will uh, yeah i mean I think if it's on, I'll watch it. But I don't know <laughs> if I can just sit down. Yeah, yeah I, it's, it, it would it's, be it's like a if pretty I was big commitment. I feel like it's like it's like a commitment for a day. Like if you're I was committing doing your a, entire day to. If it. I was doing a puzzle, maybe. <laughs> I think it's a good film to like if you're doing movie night with friends. It's a film that like I think everyone can really get into. I mean, I feel like it's dumb enough um, for like all the people who just want action, and it's kind of smart enough for the people who are interested in like 
the lore behind it, but it's mostly it's just camp, kids Marvin. Fun. Yeah. It, you're just describing camp. It's yeah. camp. I think th- the other thing about this is besides um, you watching it in a theater because it's like visually stunning and huge pieces, set pieces. But what I also like about this when you say you watch it with friends is it is a very communal type of movie you can't like just watched it alone but she's still texting us because it's like you have to react you have to have someone else like share in your joy <laughs> um while you're watching it it's, it's uh, that's what i really enjoyed about it i think yeah and you know the final the final the final scene where the evil bruce man finally gets the bullet through the chest <laughs> is like you just want to high five the person next to you right because it's like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure yeah or, or, or if you haven't watched it yet, um, it's available on Netflix, although it's the Hindu language track. So it's not the original language version. Um, that's the one you watched, right, Jess? Yes. Still pretty good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely worth um, it's definitely worth checking out. All right, Han, what's your next best pop of 2022? Okay, this is kind of a tie, but they're thematically um, aligned. And there's a reason for this. So I... Um, I'm sure a lot of people kind of heard about this one, which is a memoir by Jeanette McCurdy. She was the co-star in iCarly. She played Sam um, and she had a memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Um, And it's about her mother who was emotionally abusive and the ultimate sort of stage mom, but also worse than that. Um, It, she, she created her, her daughter's like uh, eating disorder. (laughs) basically um but it's also funny and so what the nice thing was is i listened to this and audiobook form so she performed it herself um and it was it it just you know it just shows um, in the many ways that you know this mother messed her up anyway so thematically i'm also reading what my bones know by stephanie fu and it is about complex ptsd and Oof. and the amount i like I'm glad my mom died, which is a great title, by the way. Like, that's a, emotional abuse, but this is physical, emotional, all this, like, complex PTSD, as they say. So it's kind of, like, blowing my mind, but it's also very tied to the immigrant experience because it's talking about not just um, the trauma that has been in her in her body because of experiencing it as a child, but most likely inheriting it from her parents who also have gone through trauma and things like that. This is, these are both kind of downers, but at the same time, I found them positive because both of these women, you know, came out on the other side and um, them sharing their stories is like pretty important. And I think even though I haven't gone through this level of, of abuse, I think we all kind of sometimes understand a little bit, you know, being immigrant children, um, about some of the ways that maybe parents don't quite communicate in the right way <laughs> with you or uh, or are demanding in ways that are just like other people wouldn't understand. So I I really enjoyed it. Stephanie Fu is also like she's a producer and uh, for NPR and has done other stuff. So I think she also um, narrated her audiobook. And so it's really, I don't know, I, I found both of them kind of mind blowing, but at the same time, like uh, positive in the long run. So um, I wanted to get a book in there because most of my reading this year was just like rom-coms, which nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> like these, these I felt like made an impression on me. Yeah. 
I mean, rom coms they're 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 nice, but they're they're like snacks, right? These are these are like <laughs> like whole meal books, and I think it's interesting that you know we've we've gotten books about like grief and confronting you know the immigrant trauma, but I feel like books that straight up confront abuse, I don't think that's still very common, right? And these are things that we typically are told not to talk about, right? Because of like common decency or things like that you you first of all like especially if you're asian you just don't talk about the problems in your family but then also how dare you say this about your parents because it's both her mother and her father who were horrible (laughs) so uh yikes yeah it's 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 fascinating but also cringeworthy um some of the stuff where it's almost just like I can't believe it when I hear it, but at the same time, it's just uh, it's 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 true. That's the thing. It's like um, you you knew every one of us knew someone who was probably going through something to a degree similar, um, maybe not to <laughs> like this extent, but um, but yeah. Anyway, so I, I found it really really good. Yeah, I've it's been a while since I read a actually no, I did read um Year of the Tiger, which is Alice Wong's oh, memoir. Yeah. Um which mm-hmm. is kind of a collection of her works. Um she's like a disability activist. Um and in terms of books, I'm currently reading Babel, which also is not exactly a feel it's a fun book, but it's not a feel good book. I'm reading that too. Uh, I, I'm determined to finish it by the end of the year. <laughs> it's a long book, but it's so good. Um uh, yeah. Read books, it's good. Um Jess. What's your best so, pop? um, I went the opposite direction of Han, <laughs> and I'm not not quite ready in my healing journey to tackle those topics head on and and like read that for fun. So I just watch a lot of TV, and my favorite TV show this year. I'm kind of cheating a little bit. Um, the pilot technically came out in December last year, but like the other episodes all came out. Yeah. Um, this in 2020, I would say the hit. TV show of the the hit comedy of the year, definitely the hit network series of the year. It's Abbott Elementary. Um, it plays on ABC, thirty minute sitcom comedy by Quinta Bron- Bronson, who used to be mm-hmm. at BuzzFeed. She's a thirty, like a young thirty something black woman creating her own show, um, and it's fucking fantastic. It's just, it's network TV at its best. And for everyone who said network was dead and that doesn't work and like, oh, cable's so much more interesting. Like this, this show proves that none of that's true. You just need to invest in the right creators with a great voice. And what I absolutely love about this show is that it has given us an entire, essentially an entirely new cast of actors to spend time with and fall in love with. With the exception of um, Greg, Gregory, who was the little boy in <laughs> um, Everybody Hates Chris and is now the thirst trap love interest. And I'm just like, that ah, feels weird. But like, we're the same age. So I guess it shouldn't be weird. <laughs> but, you know, TV sticks you into a certain age. It's like when the life of Pai Kai went to what was the lead romantic lead in wedding season. And he's super cute now. And you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. But yes, it's everything old school. We love it's, you know, one episode a week. Uh, great side characters. Um, will they? Won't they? We have mid-season finales. We got we got um, great cameos. I'm really excited. I hope this whole I hope the show goes on for a long time and we just get every you know 
celebrity, every hot black celebrity on as cameo. We've already seen Leslie Odom Jr. and Orlando Jones. Oh. Um, Gritty, the NFL mascot, because this show is lovingly set in Philadelphia. It's very Philly. Uh, and I just absolutely love it. I think it's so well written. It's so delightful. I personally love shows that are at its core optimistic. And I think that is at the sh- um, the show is definitely optimistic while still bringing to light some really, you know, pressing issues about the public school mm-hmm. system. It's an inherently diverse show without being about D, you know, capital D diversity. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, and it's funny. It's so funny. I yeah. also love that it's a network show. Like everyone oh, can yeah. watch this. It's technically free, though <laughs> I do think more people, I think someone, most of my friends have more trouble finding it live. Like we just all have to watch on Hulu the next day. Yeah. Who has live TV anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, or who has like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. cable That's true. or network. Broadcast. Network. I don't even yeah. know how to like get, it's supposed to be free because the airwaves are free, but like, I don't know yeah. how to get them. If you don't have cable that will allow you to get it, then you have to have an antenna. <laughs> so Yeah. And remember those. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yes. Did I tell you that the first car I bought when I finally got my driver's license, I was so excited. I went to Disneyland and bought myself a little Mickey antenna like decoration decoration. And then I realized my car didn't have an antenna. Yes. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I know a lot of my friends from Philly really love the show because of how Philly it is. Like they they go deep in their references. Yes, there was a boys to men and a reference to Jean and the <laughs> Eagles. I think all in like the first three or four episodes, which is fantastic. Yeah, I, I've only watched the first two episodes, so I still have a lot to catch up. Oh, on. my God. You, you I'm so excited for you. Just watch the whole <laughs> thing. It's so easy to get through. It's so it's so funny. Um, You know, uh, and Cheryl Lee Ralph, like awesomely got a Emmy for her role. Um, And then I think one of the breakout stars is the is the principal. Right. Um, Just fucking hilarious. <laughs> just so good. I cannot wait. I hope the show gets like seven seasons. Um, I hope Gregory and uh, Janine don't get together until the very end. Oh, Zach Fox is in it too as the ex- <laughs> as her lovable but like unambitious ex boyfriend. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I do know that the show is also a little triggering for some of my teacher friends. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, if you work in the public school system, I don't think you can watch it because it's too real. But I think that's also a compliment to how authentic. Um, the show is and she pulled her mother was a public school teacher Quinta's mom and I think she pulled a lot of the storylines <laughs> from that I mean I hope that people who love the show also recognize the many 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 problems with our public school system and maybe this will encourage them to do something about it or maybe they'll just think oh that's just Philly that's not how it is here in LA <laughs> things are going fine here <laughs> cringes in California proposition mm. 13 was it 13 13 or 19 one of the teens oh, well, yeah it's not least, great anywhere at least we're not banning books here yet yet <laughs> all right but yeah let's keep it happy Abbott elementary watch it yeah <laughs>
All right. My next best pop is um, long-time listeners will know that my pop culture diet consists of not only TVs and movies, but also video games and anime. And I know that my pop culture taste tends to um, skew a little grim dark. <laughs> but the anime that I've enjoyed the most this year is actually pretty wholesome. It's a show called uh, Bochi the Rock, um, which is streaming now on Crunchyroll. Uh, it is a, I guess, a slice of life comedy uh, music anime about a girl named Hitori Goto who has severe social anxiety and decides to pick up the guitar um, to learn um, in order to connect to people. And so at the beginning of the series, um, it follows her as she spends her middle school years learning how to play the guitar really, really well. And Mm. it all culminates in her bringing her guitar to the first day of high school in hopes of striking a conversation and being known as a music person. Unfortunately, she finds that she is still really, really bad at actually talking to people. And so um, spends the entire day waiting for someone to talk to her about her guitar. And no one does because no one knows who she is. And while she walks back home dejected, um, she gets recruited um, randomly to join as a last minute replacement for a uh, rock band made up of other high school girls and thus begins her journey of self-discovery. Uh, so this genre of show, uh, which is, you know, cute girls doing cute things, is a pretty popular type of genre. Um, there are a lot of shows that follow similar um, storylines, whether it's girls starting their own idol group or girls dealing with social anxiety. But what really sets the show apart is um, the direction by uh, first-time series director um, Kenichiro Saito, who injects some, like, I guess, like, indie punk filmmaking techniques into this show. Um, you know, whenever Hitori goes through one of her um, her moments of anxiety uh, whenever faced with anything social, um, the show shifts mediums and employs a lot of mixed media techniques to um, to represent her her state of mind, um, including things like stop motion, um, claymation, three D animation, um, even live action, which adds like a layer of you know of avant garde to the show. Um, the story itself is also really cute and wholesome um, and really well well written. Um, it's based on a four coma manga series and seems to have a pretty good take on the ideas of. Um, characters with social anxiety and how people deal with that. Um, you know, the the main rock band, um, Kishoku Band, um, is made up of four members of various personalities. But I love that, you know, in addition to Hitori, who is an introvert with social anxiety, another member of the band is also introvert, but more well-rounded and represents, you know, someone who is a well-adjusted introvert. And there Aww. is another member of the band who also suffers from social anxiety, but is an extrovert. So it displays itself in her being like a kind of a yes woman, someone who bends yeah. and changes herself so that other will like her so it really seems like it was important for the creators to um, represent a spectrum of you know people and their socializations mm. and i like that it's not really like anime sometimes can get pretty you know fan service yeah and this show does a really good job in like avoiding some of those pitfalls That's good uh, which makes it easier to recommend to people i think i'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> i was like this sounds cute but is it yeah this is definitely a show that you can use to introduce people to like the potential of what anime could be. Um, and I really love that, you know, the show is about Hitori and her and her coming of age as she sits on the path to, you know, make friends and become a professional musician. And and the show's answers for everything isn't, you know, you need to change yourself, you need to overcome your challenges, but just to accept that this is this is who you are and there's nothing wrong with that. And I love that in the show, you know, um, lesser shows would have the friends like work to improve or 
better socialize um, the main character, you know, teaching them how to act in the real world. Whereas in this show, the character seems to accept her for who she is and learns to work with her and around her quirks without wanting to, you know, change who she is. And I think that's a really cool, um, that's something different. That's like an interesting um, lesson to teach, you know, people about, you know, how you shouldn't make people, like the, the solution to be introverted isn't be more extroverted, right? Right. Right. Oh, my God. It's like I told someone that I was like, I, I believe I have ADHD. And so she gave me like a link to some sort of meditation. I was like, <laughs> thanks. I'm cured. How how Asian mother of her. That's like when you're like, oh, I think I'm depressed. Like, you should just not be sad. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being sad. <laughs> Snap out of it. Yeah. So, um, again, it's probably one of the, the most fun I've had watching anime um, that isn't about war or child soldiers <laughs> right? or mechs um and who I are think, you and what did you do with marvin <laughs> and you know <laughs> i like media of all sorts sometimes i like to <laughs> laugh sometimes i like to cry and sometimes i just like to feel bad about life and sometimes i like to feel good and you know sure. this is definitely a feel good um this is definitely the best feel good anime that i watched this year so um bochi the rock um all 12 i think i think the season just ended so if you want to yes, go binge it right now um you can check I, it I out I think you'll have fun. I think it's it's a definitely a fun show with a fun message and a director that's really doing interesting things with the medium. So it's like, you know, you can be stimulated both in your heart and your brain. All right. Um, Han, what's your last best of 2022? Uh, okay. So I, I feel like if you've listened to this podcast, you know, this is the year I finally got into K-dramas. Uh, Squid Game last year does not count. Um, and so... I think what I've been enjoying a lot is um, many of the ones from 2022 are really good. Like, yeah, there's some basic sort of like fine ones, but um, a lot of them are excellent. You know, I've talked about um, Extraordinary Attorney Wu. Um, what else is there that I've watched? Anyway, um, so I've also been trying out new ones, but the one that um, two friends of mine in the journalism <laughs> Uh, TV TV journalism game recommended to me. So thanks to Cat Moon from TVGuide.com and uh, Kate Hallowell from The Ringer. Um, is twenty five twenty one. It is set in the main time period is set in nineteen ninety eight. Um, so and it it stars Kim Terry as a um a young fencer, uh called um Hido. And what I love about that, besides the fact that I did do a little fencing in college, so <laughs> I was very excited to see another young woman fencer. Um, there, You do actually get a lot of fencing, but she also has a fencing rival. Um, it's because it's set in 1998. There's some early, you know, internet stuff going on in chat rooms. Uh, the, the costuming is very, it's like very late 90s early 2000s sort of awkward she's she plays a teenager even though the actress is like i think 30 she plays a really good teenager like all elbows um <laughs> she's actually a fantastic fantastic actress she makes the character very charming um because she's a, an incredibly determined fencer even though she's like not such a good student um and uh, at one point, she was a fencing prodigy, but then she kind of plateaued. So this is her chance to get back up. And um, she 
makes the national team. Um, there is a boy around. Well, his boy, he's 22 and she's 18. <laughs> so he's not a boy, but um, he's a young reporter. So again, another thing that I identify with. Um, and while there's a light romance, there's that's actually not the main point. It's mainly about like her growing up and the, uh, the relationships she has with each of the people in her lives, uh, in her life. And um, I have not finished it yet, but I heard that the actual finale is controversial, <laughs> which I'm actually okay with. Like I'm braced for that. But um, one of the reasons why I liked it is it's a very sort of slow moving um, show that kind of like just lets, lets you steep in the time period. So for me, it's very nostalgic. Um, and even the sort of like, main title sequence they make it like kind of grainy so it looks like it's from that time period um so i think it was just very well done and it's one of the shows that i've been just watching leisurely i'm not making myself binge it because um because it's such a sort of a slow sort of paced show that i don't want to like rush through it um so yeah 2521 i I have to say it's probably one of my favorite ones from this year, although I'm still have to watch Little Women, which I hear is fantastic. Oh. Um, yeah, I know. it's it's it, That's on my list, but I was like, am I in the mood for that yet? And so I hadn't been. Um, yeah, that one feels a little angsty. But um, yeah, so 25, exactly. 21, do you feel like this is, I mean, is this your pick for best K-drama that you've seen? Because you were pretty high on um, Attorney Wu. That is actually still one of my favorite ones, but I think... One of the reasons why um, I'm just talking about this is because I hadn't yet. But uh, <laughs> uh, Attorney Wu, what I liked about it is because of the procedural element, the main actor is she's fantastic. Um, but I think this one just feels different to me. And maybe that's why I appreciate it is I, I think it's not going to give the same sort of satisfaction that uh, and hit the same beats that um, the other K-dramas that I've been watching have. And um, I think it's doing a little something different. Um, so I've appre- I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So between that and Attorney Wu are probably kind of neck and neck. They're very hard to compare. Well, now I have another <laughs> K drama I can watch with my wife. So thanks for the rec. <laughs> you can yeah, you can tell your wife and she'll watch it for you, and then you she can decide <laughs> whether or not she, you watch yeah. it with her. All right, Jess. What's your last best pop of twenty twenty two? The Queen Bitch Beyonce <laughs> Renaissance Part One. What what can I say? I um well number one grateful this did not come out when I was in my early twenties and mm. single. I would have gone fucking feral, <laughs> like, feral. I would be in the woods somewhere, covered in glitter and like just just twerking nonstop. Um, I still am. I just do it indoors in the comfort of my own home. Just fantastic. Just when you think, you know, we take Beyonce for granted. I sound very millennial right now. You know, she's 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 our queen. Um, there are people who don't know that Beyonce came from a girl band. Um, they <laughs> only know like solo Beyonce. Who I know, know that? people younger, like than the us. young, ones. the young, yeah. the young ones, the young. Because Beyonce has been a solo artist longer. Mm-hmm. Like since they've been alive, they they don't know a Beyonce part of Destiny's Child, and the fact that this woman is one only forty mm-hmm. to consistently brings new discovers 
her musicality, her talent in new forms, and then brings it to us at the highest, utmost highest level. Renaissance is the whole album is just one amazing single track, and it's fucking fantastic. No skips. And this is only part one. She hasn't even given us the visuals. I'm very uh, grateful to live in the age of Beyonce. I know she's going on tour next year. I really hope this does not impede with my wedding. I might have to make some hard decisions. I may not be at my own wedding if Beyonce decides to go on tour. And it's supposed to be a summer tour. Uh, But, um, you know, you never know. When is summer in LA? It never ends. So, I mean, if you you haven't heard it, you've been living under a rock, you don't like... You don't like disco house? Are you are you homophobic? Are you racist? Because um, she does things in such a number. It's just good, and then she does it in such a conscious, thoughtful, drawing attention on the history, the making references to its roots in in such a meaningful way. I just I just fucking love it, and my goodness, uh, if this is part one, I. Cannot wait for part two and three. I'm actually surprised because I was expecting you to go Midnight's for your... (laughs) No, I'm sorry. I fucking love Taylor Swift. Renaissance is by far a much Mm -hmm. better album. Like, Renaissance has no contemporary parallel. Midnight's, hot take, is... um, She needs to get away from Jack Antonoff. (laughs) (laughs) I, I truly think he is one of the... Him working with all the big pop producers is doing this very terrible like you know how like movies all became like marvel and superhero-y like jack antonoff is like the marvel of pop music he needs to stop like people need to stop using him because everything's starting to sound the same and he already made midnights but better and it's called lord's pure heroin it's called lord's uh it's it's yeah no it was melodrama it's lord's melodrama that that was great Spicy hot so, take right yeah. there, man. I still like it, but it's like it's I, I don't think it's her best work. And it's yeah, like sorry, Beyonce's Renaissance <laughs> infinitely better. Just sorry, Taylor. Just just wanted that gut check. And now now I understand where it's coming from. <laughs> wow, you're gonna send now everyone's gonna uh, not like I matter enough, it's fine. But I'm like I'm like, oh no, people are gonna attack me. It's like no one knows, no one cares about me. <laughs> Huh, just you tweets <laughs> on the bird. Wow, app. fucking wow! How dare you? Um, <laughs> how dare you jox me, Marvin? Um, that you're giving them my assassination hey, coordinates. <laughs> we dox ourselves every week on this podcast. It's all sure. Good. <laughs> huh, all right. Um, and our last one, uh, and I guess my last best pop is something that I, I haven't shut up about for months now. So I guess mm-hmm. it's not really that surprising. <laughs> it's Andor, Star Wars what? Andor, uh, which is the Disney Plus um, television series about Cash uh, and Andor, the rebel spy played by Diego Luna, that still is on my mind weeks after the finale. Um, like whenever I see an article, whenever I see a podcast talking about it, I click, I listen, and it's just still one of the, who knew that one of the best pieces of like, not just genre television, but television, TV television would be a Star Wars show, at least in my opinion. I love it. It's the Star Wars we 
all hoped for but didn't dare to dream of. Um, but it finally came true in 2022. <laughs> I'm very happy. I'm very happy that it was Cassie and Andor. Yeah. I mean, in the year where we got new Game of Thrones, new Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, still reigns supreme, I guess. In the year yeah. where we also got Obi-Wan, which oh, yeah. could have been so good if it wasn't so bad. I like that you have two things about resistance in your picks, <laughs> RRR and Andor. Oh, yeah. I mean... I mean, one of the best things about Andor is just makes it makes the Empire so like simultaneously scary, but also mundane and boring because that's what that's fascism what it is. is. Yep. Yeah. Fascism is just, you know, you're really good. You, you have a really tight bureaucracy that is legitimately one of the facets of fascism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still wild sometimes to see like the hot takes people have on this show, because I think I don't know. The empire has become like fashion kind of, right? Like in terms of like, you know, you go to Galaxy N at Disneyland and you have kids taking pictures with stormtroopers. Like they're supposed to be mascots, right? And it's like, no, I don't know if I like that. You shouldn't like that. But, you know, um, it's kind of like a lot of people missing the plot. We're like, yes, it looks cool. It's supposed to look cool. But that's also propaganda to make you a fascist, which you don't want to do. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think we teach media literacy very well anymore. No, I oh, mean, yeah, the no. amount of both sides takes on Star Wars Endor, which when the show obviously is on one side in particular, has been wild. And it's it's really interesting. Like, I, I love this show because people are so unpacking it, right? There's a really great uh, mm-hmm. podcast by Kirk Hamilton called Strong Songs, where he unpacks the music and just oh, yeah. goes into like... Yes. The comp- the composition. Like, I forget that the composer for Andor is the guy who did the Succession soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. It, 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 it makes sense. It's it's uh, when you talk about people who are good at composing soundtracks, uh, it's really part of the storytelling. Yeah. Um, the Succession theme song is very iconic at this point, like mm-hmm. the very like the the rising scales. And you could definitely see like that, um, like the fact that they had like 12 different opening themes of the same song, but like in different compositions, different arrangements. The fact that they just let Tony Gilroy go to town, mm-hmm. like Michael Clayton, Tony Gilroy <laughs> is, is insane. And they should let more creative people who are good at their specific genres, just do whatever the hell they want to do. Like at this point, I don't think you can fuck up the Star Wars brand as like more than you already are. Like, just let people do some wild shit with Star Wars. Yeah, and you know, I was thinking about it, and I think one of the reasons why I I also just really resonated with Andor is just it's the first piece of like Disney era Star Wars property that reminded me of like the books I used to read about Star Wars, like the whole old expanded universe that they like threw out the window. When Disney bought Star Wars, like all the novels, like the the Timothy Zahn trilogies, the mm. the um, the sequel books pre Force Awakens, like books where they fo- hyper focus on specific ideas of like what does a working class town in Star Wars look like, what does bureaucracy look like, what does what does the Senate look like, and like really flesh that out and. I just, yeah, and the fact that, like, we don't go to tattooing once in this entire series. Thank God. 
no Skywalkers, no Jedi, just it's great. It's everything I ever wanted. And now we have to wait two years for season two, which I guess, you know, this is part of being it being prestige TV, right? Because remember how we had to wait two years for Game of Thrones every year? <laughs> you know, time is this construct. We're going to forget about it. And then it's going to be like, oh, it's time for new Andor. It's fine. We have enough stuff to get us <laughs> There's through. Yeah, there's plenty. I Look, I waited, what, how many years were... Uh, Alice in Borderland. <laughs> I, I feel like there's just so much overlap with different shows that we have time. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, not me, somebody waited 14 years for the second Avatar. Ugh. <laughs> Again, not me. Well, but they did. Also, don't be like me and be like, well, I'm watching number two. I might as well watch number one today and watch them back to back in one day. Ugh. I was just so angry <laughs> at the end of that night. <laughs> You know, anyway. you know, someone also waited however many years to watch the other Avatar because I still haven't seen any Avatar oh. Last Airbender. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> Should I watch the original series before watching the new live action? These are the questions we have to ask here on Good Pop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, I guess that'll do it for our look back at the best pop of 2022. Um, I think no big surprises here. Um, Marvin said something anime. Jess had Beyonce. And Han had <laughs> Just K-drama. basic, happy escapism. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's a lot to look forward to in 2023 as well. I feel like, you know, it's it's good that we still have things to be excited about in our media. Like, things can still surprise us. Things can still make us, like excited to watch something because we're living in an age where things are kind of like like just mentioned with um with midnights things are kind of formulaic these days like people find something that works and they just like do that for like ad nauseum like just look at what we have in terms of like other disney properties right now right so it was nice to see that things were sort of creatively invigorating this year um and surprising i I definitely did not expect any of these really big hits to happen. And so yeah. I was very pleased. Everything Everywhere, um, RRR, yeah. even Andor, right? Who who, yeah, who, yeah. who knew Andor would be this? And, you know, we should have known because of the people behind it. But we're just so used to what the corporations give us that, you know, I think sometimes we just need to remember the wonder of creativity, I guess. Um, <laughs> How hopeful, Marvin. Thank you for that. (laughs) Well, on that note, that'll wrap it up for 2022 for the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, I guess we'll see you all next year in 2023 for another year of Good Pop Culture. Hopefully. Hopefully it'll be good next year. Happy New Year. Stay safe. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. Uh, So, yeah, Jess, Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? Time to dox yourselves here. Still on Twitter for now. (laughs) At Just You Tweets. And I'm at Anonymous. You can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show Good Pop Club. We are a proud member, as always, of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Um, Check out our fellow Asian American host of podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, wishing you all a safe and happy new year. Um, We'll see you in 2023. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.
Sharon. Hey, Raman. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Raman and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lunyang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. Model minority.